I think one of the lines that is starting to blur and erode and disappear is this idea that there is a business context and there is a personal context and they are black and white and different. I'm going to tell you the truth. It's the honest marketer. Sincere, legit, and never fake. So now let's all raise the roof. It's the honest marketer. A real podcast from Funnel Cake. Who are you and what do you do? Who am I? Uh, I'm Steve Woods, and right now CTO with Nudge Software, working on business relationships. Prior to that, was CTO with Eloqua in the marketing automation space. Part of something uh, Eloqua ushered along is uh, a big change in the way we interact with people. Uh, and there's been everything from automation to social networking. How's that changing the way business relationships work? It's a it's an interesting question. I think you've got to start way back before the internet to, to really understand some of the dynamics there. If you look at that era and the relationships that salespeople developed, a lot of those relationships were predicated on information access, right? If you wanted to learn something about a particular product, a company, a space, you needed to call in the salespeople and they would bring you the information and, and by giving you that information, they were able to therefore start a business relationship. Obviously, the internet changed that fundamentally. What we did with Eloqua was was we said, given that change in dynamics, marketing needs to evolve in order to understand where people are at and what the next piece of information they are most likely to want is. So we looked at what we call digital body language, that, that online behavior, and used marketing automation to deliver that message, which, which worked very well, and that's been the evolution of, of B2B marketing since. What ends up happening, though, as marketing begins to own the information flow is the relationships really are, are, are pushed out of the forefront, and it's very difficult for salespeople to build the relationships that they need and the trust that they need in order to encourage institutional change. So with Nudge, we're now looking at that second phase and saying, okay, how can you as a business professional think about relationships when you don't have this asset of information at your disposal, when that information is freely available? How do you think about relationships? How do you measure them? And how do you go about building them in order to develop the trust that allows you to, to push for institutional change? So when do those relationships come into play in sort of the deal cycle? That's that's the interesting transition. If, if you look at the, the pre-phase that we talked about, the relationships could start when the business transaction was under consideration. If you look now, that's the most difficult thing that you can possibly do is pick up the phone, cold call someone, and try and build a relationship while selling them something. It, it doesn't work. We've all been on one end of that phone call or another. It doesn't work. So what the best professionals of, of today are doing is saying, every interaction I have is an opportunity to start building that relationship. And given digital tools, I can scale my relationship building over a larger number of people 
over a significant number of jobs that I'm going to have in my career and over a significant length of time and develop both depth by growing those relationships over time and breadth of access to different people in different industries with different skills and different perspectives and do so in in kind of a non-transactional way. Don't build relationships with the intent of selling the widget that I'm selling right now to that individual. Build relationships with this intent of building a broad and diverse set of allies, if you will, where you can help them, where they can help you, and it's unclear what that assistance is going to be in advance. You'll need to come back to that network later, but you've got to take the opportunity to build a network relationship when that opportunity presents itself rather than try and do that at the moment that you have something to go and, and sell. So how do you find the balance between keeping that breadth and many weak ties and keeping those really strong connections uh, you can leverage to introduce you to someone else? I, I think you've got to be genuine if you're doing the relationship building in a purely Machiavellian sense and saying, is this person going to deliver a return on investment for my efforts? It's going to it's going to tire you out. It's going to be inauthentic. People will see right through it. And you'll spend all your time trying to answer that, how valuable is this person to me question, um, which is which is often unanswerable in advance. Whereas if if you really look at it from the perspective of knowing that a network is valuable and finding a way with each interaction to help that person, build value for them in some way, connect them with someone that's, that's going to give them insights, that's going to give them an opportunity, that's going to be interesting, learning about them truly out of interest. What are they into? What do they care about? What, what, do, they find in, what do they do in their spare time? And keeping track of that such that when you see something later that ties you back to that person, you have an opportunity to come back and say, hey, we spoke about this six months ago. I just saw this. I thought of you. How you been? How did this project work out for you? And if, if you care and if you're authentic about it, then you, you build that natural depth. And because you're not applying the ROI question on the first moment, you build a natural breadth too. You're not saying, ah, this person's a little different than my target prospect, so I'm not going to put any effort in. You don't think that. You think, this person is interesting. I, I find them interesting as a human being. I have a way that I can help them. I'm going to come back to this relationship later. And then over time, you realize, oh, wait a minute. I, I need somebody who understands the tax code for doing charitable investments in a foreign country. Oh, my God, who do I know who knows that? And suddenly, out of this broad network that you have, you realize that the person you were talking with about hang gliding, you remember that that was what they originally were. They were a tax consultant. So the, the breadth sort of comes back to you in ways that you wouldn't necessarily expect if you go into it with that authenticity. Kind of a part of authenticity and keeping relationships healthy. In the past, there were a lot of things with etiquette and like how you should interact with people, especially in a business context. How is that changing, uh, especially with uh, using tech to facilitate some of the depth of knowledge you have about these people? It's interesting in the sense that I think one of the lines that is starting to, to blur and erode and disappear is 
this idea that there is a business context and there is a personal context and they are black and white and different. The, the best relationships are ones that, to start off with, they'll span multiple jobs. Somebody that you knew from one or two jobs ago, generally that's a better relationship than, than somebody you just met recently. And then you look at how you keep in touch with that person if they're someone you've kept in touch with over multiple jobs. And chances are the interaction is no longer business. Maybe you started out on some projects together, but now you're talking about sports, you're talking about hobbies, you're talking about travel, family, kids. Is that a personal relationship? Is it a business relationship? The, the line is irrelevant. I think you've got to use a lot of intuition, common sense, and good judgment in understanding the world from the other person's perspective. What, what do they want out of a relationship? And, and when are you pushing too hard? And when are you going into territories that they're not comfortable going into? But if you're, if you're thoughtful about it, and you're aware of the world from their perspective, then, then I think drawing that, that rather arbitrary line, I think, is no longer necessary. It's like just remembering everyone is a person. Absolutely. Everyone enjoys business based on the people they interact with. That's a very common thread. And, and a lot of that enjoyment of the people you're interacting with is not necessarily just because you have a gift with project management. It's because you're an interesting person and the conversations go in interesting ways and um, sparks of, of interest and insight come out of those conversations that you wouldn't otherwise have expected. And, and that is what makes the person interesting. It's what makes the business interaction interesting. And it what's, it's what forms the foundation for the relationship. So deliberately trying to stay all business all the time is not the best path to building a, a long-term relationship. It's, it's the best path to being imminently forgettable. That's really good advice. What happens when a relationship goes in a different direction? Say, per personally, you might have a disagreement, but uh, you need to keep the business relationship going forward. How do you handle that? I mean, I think it, it depends on what the disagreement is. Um, if you look at a lot of areas, it's very acceptable to have differences of opinions. If, if you differ on your opinion on how a project could proceed, you can have very honest and frank and, and yet still comfortable conversations with someone that you disagree with if you keep it out of the ad hominem space. Discuss the project and don't attack the person. And, and I think the same is is true for any other areas. You know, if discussion veers into the topics that generally get people riled up, like politics and religion and money and, and all of these um, rather sensitive topics, if you're aware of the interpersonal dynamic and don't push too hard in areas that, that are clearly getting uncomfortable and, and keep the debate quite tame rather than ad hominem, then, then you can have great relationships with people that you don't necessarily agree with. Um, but I think you just have to use that, that very solid judgment on, on when things are getting too personal and, and not about the topic, about the, about the people instead. Is there a point where you would uh, end uh, a business relationship? I, I mean, I think everything has its lifetime, right? Like the business relationships that you have, if you map that out over your career, there are thousands of relationships that you start and work with those people for a while and let that drift. Um, and, and that happens day in and day out. Um, 
and, and there's obviously there's no harm to that. You you can't keep track of the sixty thousand people that you've interacted with. I think the difference between people that have very robust and very active and very powerful networks versus the people that have met 60,000 people but, but can't call up more than 20 of them on the phone, the, the difference is actually very slight there. It's sort of a 1% difference in effort applied every day for year upon year upon year that gives you that difference between the incredibly powerful networker and the person that, that feels they only have 20 people they can call. So I don't think you need to stay in touch with everyone, but, but being judicious about it and picking a select few to stay in touch with and put the effort in and doing that day after day after day will, will begin to reap exponential rewards quite quickly. And you're one of those people with a super amazing strong network you've built over your career. Uh, when you're just getting started, what's your advice? You know, the, the interesting truth is I'm, I'm probably low on the spectrum of being very good at networking. I, I think that's probably half the genesis of, of Nudge is it's an area I know I need to do a lot more at. Therefore, it's an effort area that I, I think about a lot. And being a technologist, I tend to think in terms of, of software products. So I, I've come to realize the value of the network. I, I wouldn't say that I'm an innate natural networker by any stretch of the imagination. Um, definitely, I, I, I try every day to do a little bit more. But uh, I, I would not put myself high on that spectrum at all. It, it's something that I, I still need to work on even more. Bring it back to the sales side. Uh, as you're developing an account and say you just have that one relationship in a company, how do you go about broadening that so you have additional contacts? The, the first thing to, to think about is whether you truly are the army of one that, that's implied in the way that, that you phrased the question. Chances are it's not true. Chances are there are other people at your company, other people that are that are mentors, that are people that you've worked with historically, that are quote unquote on your team. They're willing to help. And, and understanding who they have relationships with is critical. And not just the connections that we have, because usually those are not strong enough to, to really make an introduction, but if you can get a sense of where the strong relationships are, then there's an introduction you can ask for. And that is always a better way to enter into a conversation if you're if you're introduced than cold calling. Cold calling has such a low effectiveness rate. So I'd, I'd look there first and say, how do I how do I become not an army of one but a but a team and how do I use that team so I can help them and they can help me and we can mutually uh, get more conversation started than we would as, as individuals. Right. What about organizationally? So as your team to another company, is there a relationship there or does it solely live with the people who make up that company? I, I don't think it's useful to think of a company as an entity at all. It, it's, it's a bunch of people. That, that's it if you, if you look outside of the legal domain. So if you're going to try and strike up a conversation with a company, that's what you're doing. You're striking up a conversation with a person. A company may have people in, in roles that are fairly standard, but they're still people. Um, and they have their own unique set of, uh, of preferences, of relationships, of motivations. So I, I think you always have to think of 
the people that you're interacting with. Uh, and that's a much clearer way of, of analyzing how you're going to start a conversation than, than thinking of a company as actually having a, um, an entity unto itself. Right. Last question, uh, our favorite. Uh, what's your favorite 90s dance song? <laughs> That is that the hardest question. <laughs> I thought I thought we tapped at the interview right now. You're killing me. <laughs> Does anyone ever answer that question? Everyone. Really? Yeah. Hannah Baza gave uh, 14 songs. Yeah. 14. I don't. I don't think I could name 14 90s dance songs. We, we can go 80s. Wow. <laughs> can I plead the fifth? I'm stumped. You've officially stumped me. I got nothing. I'm gonna tell you the truth. It's the Honest Marketer, a real podcast for funnel cake.